Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We are in week number three. Somebody say week three of a fantastic series here at um, All Nations Aurora that we are calling Living Life. Living Life. And so we are being intentional with this series. We are actually walking through a particular book in the Bible. That book is Galatians. And we are learning based on the wisdom that was shared in that book, how we can live this life. Because there's a certain way to live it, and there's a certain way not to live it. And we want to make sure that we are living it in accordance with the way that Jesus wants us to live this life. And so we have been walking through this book because the heart of this book is there's a big problem at the church of Galatia. And Galatia is modern day Turkey, right in the middle of what is on our maps today as Turkey, right in the center of that area was this particular church, a church called Galatia. And Paul, the apostle, he planted this church. He labored with this church. Then he installed local leadership, and then he went off to go plant another church. And the problem is when he left, some other Christians from Jerusalem came, and they kind of messed with the message that Paul left them. Paul gave them a gospel message that he got directly from Jesus. And so some of these other Christians from Jerusalem, they believed in Jesus too, but they decided that we have to do this and we have to keep the Old Testament and we have to put it together in order to really be official Christ followers. And so they came with authority from the Jerusalem church and unfortunately the people of Galatia, not knowing any better, began to subscribe to this brand of Christianity where it was grace plus rules. And anything that you add to the gospel, which we learned in week one, is no gospel at all. Paul said, I can't believe that you all are falling for another gospel. This is not the gospel message that I gave you. And really the heart behind the difference between the true gospel and this other gospel, we look back at the book of Genesis and we looked at the story where there were two trees in the Garden of Eden. There was the tree of life and there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we saw that one tree was blessed for us by God, and that was the tree of life. It was meant to give us life. We were not supposed to ever die or perish as long as we stayed in the tree of life. But there was another tree that he warned us to stay away from called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and that tree brought burdens upon us. And because we interacted with that tree, sin came in the world. And now things have completely shifted. And then in week two, we looked at the fact that it's not that easy to stay with the tree of life. Even though we know we're supposed to, there's this other tree that we tend to swing back and forth between because we like rules. We like being able to measure how we're doing. And so we, again, slowly drift away from the true essence of the gospel, and we go back and forth. And so we were discussing, how do we stop swinging back and forth between these two gospels? one which is not a gospel at all, and we learn that we have to die. We have to learn to crucify ourselves. We have to crucify our flesh and, and crucify this world. And so here we are in week number three. And 
where we pick up the story is Paul kind of, like he gets a little agitated. (laughs) He's a little frustrated as he continues on, and he wants to make it his business here in this chapter to make sure that the people of Galatia truly understand what the gospel message is. He doesn't want there to be any doubt any further. And so we pick up that story right at the first verse in chapter number three of Galatians. And you can tell he's agitated by the way he opened up. Oh, foolish Galatians, you fools. He says, who has cast an evil spell on you? Some versions of your Bible says, who has bewitched you? Now, that phrase, evil spell or bewitch, is a very interesting term. Uh, in the Greek, the original language is the word baskaino, baskaino, and it means to give the evil eye. Come on. Who grew up, this Mother's Day, who grew up with that mama that would give the evil eye that would shut anything down? I'm going to get in trouble later, but my mom was one of those mamas. I'm going to get in trouble for y'all. If y'all hear what y'all mama just look straight. And she would do, I could see it just as plain as day. First would be the crossing of the hands. Then it would be the dropping of the chin. And then would come the gaze. And that's how you knew conversation over. Even if you was trying to go, but, but, mom, but, Bob. Once that evil eye came, game over. <laughs> and so that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying that who gave you this evil eye, this, this spell? Who, who bewitched you? Right? Because what was happening was when these new Christians came from Jerusalem, they were giving them the evil eye, looking down on them, trying to get them to say, you know, you're not doing this right. I'm, I'm doing this right, and you're not. And because I'm doing this right, and you're not, I'm going to look down upon you. What happens is when you, somebody looks down on you long enough, somebody gives you the evil eye long enough, You start to compromise. You start to change. You start to second guess. You start to question what it is that you believe. Judgmental people will do that to you. So we'll keep going. He says, for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. He's saying, listen, I gave it to you the way it was supposed to be. And I gave it to you crystal clear. I couldn't have gave it to you no clear. The only way it could have been clear is if you were standing there at the cross while Jesus was dying. He said, let me ask you this one question. This was a rhetorical question. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? And then he he answered it. Of course not. (laughs) He said, you received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. The message you heard about Christ. When was the last time you reflected on the message that you heard about Christ? In a lot of instances, we get comfortable with church. We get comfortable with our Christian faith. We get comfortable with our relationship with Jesus because we lose sight of the message of Jesus Christ. And we're going to get to that. He said, how foolish can you be after Starting your Christian lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own, here it is, human effort? 
Do you know why we enjoy human effort? Because it gives us the ability to just oppose ourselves against other people. When we focus on our human effort, we are telling ourselves that this is about us, not about Jesus. When we move in our faith based on human effort, we are saying that I can do something to save myself. Not only that, I can do something to maintain my own faith because my faith is based on what I'm doing. And we get into this place that looks real Christian, that looks real gospel-centered, where we think that if I come to church enough, if I pray enough, if I fast enough, if I give enough, if I serve enough, I'll become acceptable. It's not the gospel, unfortunately. It's important that you understand the true gospel. And the true gospel starts with the fact that you had nothing to do with it. Here's the true gospel. You and I were in a really bad place. We were destined to die in eternity in hell. Because of what our ancestors did in the Garden of Eden, we had no hope. And so God decided that he was going to do something about it because we were created because he wanted to have a relationship with us. He wanted to love us. He wanted us to love him. But the problem is God and sin can't coexist. So no matter how much he loved us, he couldn't be near us because sin was now a part of our life. And so the only way that you can pay for sin was to die because the wages of sinners death, which we'll get to later. And so the only way to atone for our sins would be to die, which doesn't make sense because if we died and went to hell because we were trying to pay for our sins, then we have no relationship with God. So therein lies the problem. We are without hope and without remedy. So God decided that there was going to be a remedy in his son, Jesus Christ. And that remedy wrapped itself in flesh, came to this earth and lived a perfect life, and then died on the cross. And not only that, he didn't stay dead. <laughs> he was buried, but he didn't die. And then on the third day, he was resurrected in all his glory. And because he took our place on that cross and died for our sins, we now have a remedy for our sin sickness. And that remedy is faith in Jesus. If you think about it, the, 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 the thing that all religions are pointing to is how do we get in right relationship with God? Now, depending on the relationship, that God has a different name or a different path, but they're all essentially trying to come up with a bunch of rules and regulations on how to get closer to God. And what separates us as Christians apart from everybody else is we say there's one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. And it's not through anything that we can offer. That, that's super important. I don't want you all to get comfortable because we can quote John 3, 16, forward and backwards. And we know that Jesus died on the cross. We know that he bled and that he died and that he rose again. But the problem is we don't reverence it like we should. It doesn't cause us to tremble anymore, to know 
that he was beaten beyond recognition for crimes that you committed. That he hung on that cross for hours, forsaken, right? He cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken? God couldn't even look at him because he can't be where sin is. And he did that for you. Sometimes we just got to sit in that. Sometimes we have to come back to a place of reverence. That we sit in these seats because he hung on that cross. That we become in right standing with God because Jesus paid our bill. Let it breathe for a second. Your bill was paid by Jesus. When I was reading through this, it made me think about uh, several years ago when my wife and I were on a date. I was in the military still at the time, and I was in uniform, and we were out having dinner, and, and uh, you know, we checked, please, and, and the waiter came over and said, somebody else has already paid your bill. I was like, dang, I would have got the steak then if I was going to know <laughs> what I was going to pay for it. Hey, I'm sitting here with this chicken. But, but seriously, there's, there's this like odd, awkward tension when something like that happens because you're like, man that's, man, that's dope. But like on the other hand, you're like, you know, but I ate the food and somebody else paid for it. There's like this little awkward tension between somebody else taking care of something that, that you did. And so, so for some of us, there, there's this awkward tension because we don't quite grasp the fact that the bill was paid and we had nothing to do with it. We committed the sin and he paid the bill. You got to understand how how magnanimous this this is. We, we, We make this way, way smaller than what it actually is. We wear crosses on our neck. We got cross tattoos and we got all kind of stuff that, that really minimizes the power of that moment. Not just for Jesus, right? We, we know what happened there, but, but for God the Father as well. Can you understand what, what this was like for him as, as father? Several years ago, our son, Emmanuel, uh, uh, we, we found out that, that he had asthma. And we found out you know, because he had an asthma attack before we knew that he had asthma. And I'm at work, and I got the call, like, you know, Something's going on. He's in the hospital. And so I, I do what I got to do to get out of work. And I, and, I, and I run, drive, get over there as quick as I can. And I, I see my son. He's real small. And they have him in, in like a, a crib version of a hospital bed. But it had these metal bars on it that looked like a prison. And as his father, I went over there and I slammed those bars down. I was appalled by what I saw. Why? Because as a father, you don't want to see your son in any type of compromising position. It tears your heart out. Even when I was making the notes and thinking about the story, I had to, had to, had to take a pause because the, the memories and the emotions were coming back of that moment and how much it hurt me just to see him in that compromising position. Can you imagine what it was like for God the Father to see his only begotten son beat almost to death before he was hung on that cross? 
And then for that father to have to back up because he can't be where sin is. All of that for you. All of that for us. All of that because we had no way to help ourselves. And that's why it's ridiculous to try and get close to God based on human effort because we don't have it in us. That's why we learned last week it's important to die every single day and submit and surrender every single day because the moment we start thinking that it's on us, we're already losing. We're already moving in the wrong direction. We're already headed back to the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is a prison. He gave us the tree of life because he wanted us to live. And we chose the tree of knowledge and good and evil because we thought, we thought it offered something better. And here we are in 2022 thinking that our rules offer something better than the gospel in its pure state. The pureness of the gospel is already perfect. The pureness of the gospel is our remedy. Anything that we do doesn't give us a remedy for our sins. I want to help you because the point of this book, Galatians, is to set you free. What happens when we add a bunch of things to the gospel is we become burdened. And we'll learn that in this text. We become saddled with weight that wasn't meant to be on us. And it gets worse. If we, if we go to verse 10, Paul says this, all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. It's not God cursing you. When you focus on the law, when you focus on the rules instead of the person of Jesus Christ, you curse yourself. He says, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. The book of the law is the Old Testament commandments. There weren't just 10. There were 613 commandments. Imagine trying to keep up every 24 hours with 613 commandments. That's called Mission Impossible. And it was set up that way. Here it is on purpose. It was made impossible so you could know that it's not possible for you to do it on your own. You need something better. So James says it real good. I love the Apostle James because he's a straight shooter. So in James 2 and 10, he says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. That's why it's an impossible mission. So even if you kept 612 and messed up on one, you're guilty of all. You can't do it. It's a game you can't win. And yet we keep trying. We keep trying. We focus on Christian rules. We focus on Christian rituals as though that is the gospel, that that is what our relationship with God is based on. It's a game you can't win. Here's why. The law couldn't be obeyed. The law can't be obeyed. It's impossible to obey. 
we just read that you can keep all but one and be guilty of not keeping any of them at all because the law cannot be obeyed. Most people look at it this way. In our minds, it's like this. We understand that we're sinners. We understand that we've messed up, that we've done some things wrong. And so in our mind, the only way to overcome what we've done wrong is to do something right. We think that if we just do more right than we've done wrong, we're going to make it. We're focusing on the wrong thing. We're focusing on who we are to God instead of focusing on who God is to us. He's our Savior. We're not our Savior. And the only reason there is a Savior is because we needed saving. <laughs> and you just didn't need it to get to him. You needed to stay with him. It's important for us to realize that without him, our grade is going to be an F every single time. We're trying. We're trying to measure up. We're trying to please him with our actions. And those actions in and of themselves are not evil. They're not bad. They're not wrong. The problem is where your heart is. The problem is you're doing them because your heart tells you that that's what you have to do to be right with God. And what you have to do to be right with God is to have faith in his son. That's the pureness of the gospel. And that's tough, right? Because we've been in church so long that we're used to the rules. We're used to the rules of dress. We're used to the rules of etiquette. We're used to how we're supposed to be in our communities. We're used to what we're supposed to eat, what we're supposed to drink, what we're supposed to do, and what we're supposed to not do. We're so used to hearing about what we're not supposed to do as Christians that that becomes where our gaze and our focus goes. Trying to keep up with the law, which can't be obeyed. It's impossible. Here's what we have to understand. Galatians 3 and 19 says, why then was the law given? So Paul breaks down the fact that it's impossible to keep up with the law, which begs the question, then why do we have it? <laughs> I think it's a fair question. Why would he give us these 613 commandments if he knew it would be impossible to keep them? Well, the answer to that question is very simple. He wanted to create a tension in you that made you think that I need something else. He created this impossible list of laws and commandments for you to keep so that you can try and fail, try and fail, try and fail, and realize this is not working. Yeah. And I need to try something that, that will. Yeah. I need to try something that is different than what I'm trying because what I'm currently trying isn't getting me to the place that I'm trying to get to. If we jump down to verse 24, Paul says, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right. I think that's an important phrase because I think that we think that the Christian faith is trying to be right. We think that in order to be a good Christian, we have to be right. 
What Paul is trying to get us to understand is we can't be right. We have to be made right. It's, it's not in our power. It's not in our ability. We're not gifted enough. We're not strong enough. We're not disciplined enough. We're not focused enough. We have to be made right. Once we realize that we need to be made right, our focus becomes a little bit different because we understand this very powerful fact. The law was meant to lead us to Christ. The law wasn't created for us to use our human effort to attempt to keep up with it. The law and all of its impossibility was created so that you and I can run to Jesus. So that we could realize within ourselves that Jesus Christ is the only way. So this message is for anybody who's been living their life trying to please God with human effort. We call that a dead religion because that's all it leads to. Because every time that you try to move throughout your days and out your weeks and out your months and your years trying to please God on your human ability, you're not running to life. You're not eating from the tree of life. You're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that results in death every single time. And not just your death, but because you're so busy trying to keep up with the rules and sticking your nose up at everybody else, you're causing people to run from the cross because they can't keep up with your rules. It's death. And so today's message is called Come Alive. The, The point of the gospel is for you to come alive. Not for you to imprison yourself trying to keep up with a list of rules that can't be kept up with. Galatians 3 and 24 says this. The law was our guardian until we were made right, and the last part was important, with God through faith. That's the part I forgot to tell you. (laughs) It's not effort. It's not your ability. It's not your anointing. It's faith. Faith in Christ. Not faith in yourself. Not faith on the, the, the office you were called to. I appreciate you. And your giftings and your callings and your office and your Facebook lives. I, I, all your scriptures you post. Thank you. But there's one way to God. There's one way for us to stay connected to him. Faith. Faith. Not human effort, because you don't have enough effort. You don't have, you don't have enough effort to meet the standard. If you get that, it'll change your life. Because you'll stop thinking that it's about you. You'll stop thinking that there's more than, if I just do this, if I just do more of that, then I'll be good. It's not about your effort. It's about where your faith is. Because when you strive for human effort, when you focus on rules, when you focus on rituals, you're not focused on the man, Christ Jesus. 
and he's the remedy. He's not just the remedy to salvation. He's also the remedy for your sanctification process. It's a big old word that just means that from the day that we give our life to Jesus to the day that we're face to face with him, he is working on us. And you can't sanctify yourself. So that means that you're still dependent on him today. Even after you go through discovery class. Even after you go through prayer school. Even after you get ordained. Even after everybody says that you are super anointed. Even after everybody says that you're highly favored. You still have to depend on him. It will never be about you and your effort. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. Be about your human effort. And so the secret is what we're going to talk about. How do we come alive? When I was in the military, we did everything by acronyms. It's weird. Because as I was creating an acronym for what we're going to do today, it made me remember, like, we did everything in acronyms. PLDC, right? That was, called, that was the, the, the primary leadership development course and, 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 and NCO, non-commissioned officer. And then there was this long one called leadership. And every letter stood for something, right? Loyalty, duty, respect, selfless, over, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. And you know what? I didn't even have to go Google that. My career in the military ended 12 years ago yesterday, right? And it was in my brain still. Why? Because acronyms work. So I'm going to use the acronym today. Is that okay? Because the secret to coming alive is having a proper understanding of grace. We don't understand grace. And that's why we are in prisons and bondage. You know if you are where you need to be based on how you feel about your faith. Does your Christian faith seem like a burden? Do you feel like, man... I ain't read enough. I ain't prayed enough. I ain't fast enough. I ain't gave enough. I ain't served enough. If, if that's how you feel, you're in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because based on everything that Jesus did for you, you should be enjoying being in relationship with him. <laughs> because you realize it ain't even about you. I couldn't have got here on my own. So why am I trying to perfect myself? Why am I trying to discipline myself instead of submitting to his? The tree of life is when you are totally submitted on Jesus every single day. I can't do none of this without you, Lord. I can't make a move without your spirit. And you know what? I don't even want to. That's the real gospel. That's when you understand what grace actually is. And so let's, let's break down grace. And so the first thing you need to know about grace, my favorite one, is that grace is a free gift. It's a free gift. It was given to you. You ain't earn it. <laughs> and you ain't go find it. <laughs> he gave it to you. He made himself available to you. And you know what his gift was? His life. His gift to you was his life. I remember one time I was driving from Texas 
up here to Illinois because I had this really fine girlfriend that I was trying to go see. <laughs> and so I got off work, got straight in my car, I ain't even changed. And all I had was one Mountain Dew. And 16 hours later, <laughs> I was in Illinois. But on that, on that, on that journey, I'll never forget, and this is close to 20 years ago, but I was driving, it was dark by this time, I'm on a four-lane highway, two lanes going this way, two lanes going that way, and this grassy knoll in between that divided us, and it's night, so I'm driving, I got my trap music playing, I wasn't all the way saved yet, <laughs> and I had my Mountain Dew, you know, I'm trying to stay hyped for the ride, you know what I mean, so I got the bass knocking, and I'm driving, my mom didn't hear that, so I'm good. So I'm driving, and I see a car coming. It's not a lot of cars on the road at this time, because it's like super, like, 1 o'clock in the morning type thing. And I notice, as I'm driving, I see their headlights, and then I see it one lane over. I'm like, okay. Then I see their headlights in the grassy knoll between us. I'm like, that's interesting. Then I see him on the lane that's next to me. Then I see him right in front of me. Now, this is all, this is not happening in slow motion. This is happening fast. But what felt like slow motion was the moment right before that car was about to hit me head on. It wasn't me, but my car moved to the right because God stepped in, took my, I promise you, I didn't move the car because I'm too in shock at how much, how many lanes this car had to come over to be now face to face with me. God took my hands on that steering wheel, and that, I'm telling you, at the last second, moved me to the right, and that car hit the car behind me. That's what it's like to think about a substitution to spare your life. Now, maybe, you know, you don't have a, an example like that, but you do have a cross <laughs> where he stepped in and spared your life life. That was his gift to you. Grace is a free gift that spared your eternity. Listen, come here, come here, come here. You were supposed to be in hell forever. Forever. That's what you earned. That's what you deserve. And God said, I'll take care of it. He gave you the gift of his life. Knowing all the ways that you were going to mess it up, knowing all of your failures, knowing all of your shortcomings, he still made the decision to offer you his life as a gift. Romans 6 and 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. That's what you earned. Your bill that was due was hell forever. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's a free gift. We can't allow ourselves to overlook that. We can't allow ourselves to think of that as no big deal. It's huge. It's huge. That knowing how frail and faulty and troubled and broken we are, 
He didn't look at a perfect version of us and say, I'm going to give this. He looked at the broken version of us and said, I'm going to give my life for her. I'm going to give my life for him. That broken man, that broken woman, I'm going to give my life for them. Number two, grace is received. That's the R, by faith. Received by faith. Ephesians, excuse me, Romans, no, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. You can't take credit. I'm using the Bible so you all know that I'm not just coming up with this out of thin air. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Why? So none of us could boast about it. That's why it has to be this way. Because if it was about us, we would have something to brag about. But he wants us to be very clear with the fact that our salvation cannot be accredited to our effort. He said we have nothing to do with it. And the reason we can't have anything to do with it is because if we did, we'd be boasting. And some of y'all boasting now. Some of you are really, no matter how many times I say it, some of you really think it's about your effort. That's why God loves me, because I'm so gifted. God, God anointed me for this season and for these people. And we start talking in King James language. We don't even live in Great Britain. And God anointed me for thus his people of thus time. When we start believing our own hype, I can preach, I can sing, I can lay hands. God has used me for the masses. I'm anointed for the marketplace and the ministry. I've got the gift of this and the oil of that. And we really start to think we deserve the credit. We really start to think that we got here because of our effort. Because we fast so much and we pray so much and we give so much and we serve so much. I earn my spot. God said, you, you can't take credit for any of this. You don't have it in you. Romans 4 and 16 says, so the promise is received by faith. You can't receive the promise of eternal life apart from having faith in Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus. You can't have faith in your effort. You can't have faith in Christian rules. You have to have faith in Jesus. That's the way in, and that's the way to stay, is faith in Jesus. Number three, grace is available to everyone. The problem with the people at Galatians, they were being told the only way that they could be a part of this Christian faith was if they followed Jewish rules. The problem is they weren't Jewish. They said, listen, we appreciate you loving our Jesus, but the only way in is to be circumcised because we're God's chosen people. Hmm? How many people are 
in churches today acting like they're God's chosen people. Administering, at trying to administer rules that aren't in the Bible. This is what they were doing. They were saying the only way to be a follower of Jesus is to be circumcised. Problem is, Jesus didn't say that. And so we have to be careful saying things that Jesus didn't say and calling it witnessing. If you want to witness, tell people that God has been so good. Let me tell you why. Because we couldn't save ourselves. We didn't have it in us. And he decided that he was going to take our place. Why don't we just tell them that? Why don't we just tell them the gospel? Instead of giving them the evil eye. Instead of looking down upon them. Instead of measuring our list of to-dos that we've checked off this week. Instead of measuring ourselves again. Because you know what happens when we measure ourselves? We forget the areas that we're still falling short in. We only focus on the things that we got nailed down. And so that's faulty in and of itself. That's fake in and of itself. Because you're looking down on me based on what you've got tight. But what you struggling with? Hmm? You, got, you got all this figured out? 613 commandments? Locked in? Nope. And as we heard earlier, you mess up with one, you're guilty of all. So instead of looking down, why don't we look eye to eye and say, you need Jesus and so do I. I've been saved for a decade and still need him. I've been saved for three decades. I've been saved for three days. I definitely need him. We all do. Number four, grace comes only through Christ. This is, this is what separates us from other faiths. We don't believe that there's multiple ways, no matter what they say in culture. No matter what they say on TV. One way. And that's through Christ. John 1, 17. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Again, in Galatians 2 and 21, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. Can you say the same? Do you have a, a fear, a reverence, an awe about the grace of God? Or when you hear the word grace, do you just think about dinner time? Let me say, Lord, thank you, Lord, for this food. Bless, the, bless those, the hands that made the food. Let it be nourishing for our bodies. It's a double cheeseburger you're talking about. Let it be nourishing for our bodies and our souls. All right. But grace is much more than that. It's how we get to God. And how we get to God is through Jesus Christ. Last one. Grace is extended throughout eternity. That's powerful. It's not something that we have to renew annual like our license stickers. John 3 and 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I know we learned that in Sunday school if we memorized it for the Easter play, but it's such a powerful truth. It's so powerful to know that what we earned, he's granting us the opposite. Because what we earned was death, and he's giving us life. That is grace. That is the gospel. That is something that we can never lose sight of. And if we, if we hold on to that, to that fact, if we don't let it go, this is the result. Titus 2 and 11 for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. So here's where grace is. When what you ought to do becomes what you want to do. You should want to pray. You should want to give. You should want to serve. You should want to fast. You should want to love people. But not out of human effort. Out of the realization of the grace that was afforded to you. When you are remain in a place of awe that he did that for you, a miracle happens on the inside and you begin to change. It's a miracle because you can't change yourself. The Bible says that old things pass away and that all things are made new, not by you, not by your effort, but by his grace. And as he starts to transform you on the inside, it shows up in how you interact on the outside. So you come to church not because, oh, I got to go. It's Sunday. I have to go. I'm supposed to go. And I get to go and be in his house. I get to go and be in his presence. I get to go and be amongst his people because I want to. Where's your heart right now? Do you, do you open up your Bible because you feel you have to? Do you open up your Bible because you feel like God will be mad at you if you don't? Or do you open up your Bible because there's this hunger inside of you that you want more of him? That you want to know him better. That's the difference between grace and human effort. You get tight at offering time. You have some preconceived notions about what it means to give into his house. It's a trust issue. It's a grace issue. You have apprehensions about serving in God's house? 
It's a trust issue. It's a grace issue because grace compels you. Grace puts something on the inside of you that says, how can I serve? I can't wait to serve. I want to serve. I love God's house. I love God's people. Are you missing that? You might be eating from the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're so used to the rules. You're so used to the regulations that you can't even find a place in his house. A place that he set for you. A place that he had in mind when he died for you. And because you're not focused on the man Christ Jesus, you're missing on something so beautiful. You can't come alive until you receive his grace. Anything other than that is a dead religion. That's why you're miserable. Because you're operating in a dead religion. You're trying to keep up with rules instead of following Jesus. When you follow Jesus, the miracle is going to happen. He's going to change you. He's going to make you new. He's going to change your appetites. He's going to change your desires. He's going to bring you focus and clarity. He's going to do it. But it starts with a, a reverence for what he made available to you, this free gift called grace. It doesn't matter if you've been distant from God or if you feel like you've been serving him for years. It is super easy to lose sight of how important grace is. Grace is at the center of our faith. And if we start to think anything other than that, we have moved away from the tree of life. Because remember, that tree, that tree was created to give life. The other one, the tree of knowledge and good and evil, took from it. And for some of you, it's taking from you. Don't let that be the case anymore. You can submit, you can surrender to God's grace. Not Christian rules, not Christian etiquette. Those things are good, fine, and dandy. They just don't have the power to save you. Can we stand? Can you just kind of quiet your heart for a minute and, and take a self-evaluation of where you stand when it comes to God's grace? When was the last time that you thought, really thought about how awesome it is that he would do that for you? I mean, really think about the fact that you didn't earn it. You didn't earn it then. You haven't earned it since. It was a gift. And that gift should still blow you away every time your eyes open. It should blow you away that he loves you. Nobody knows how broken you are. Nobody knows how sinful you are like you. So if you really think about it, 
you would feel that magnitude of how great his grace really is. I'm well acquainted with my shortcomings. Are you? Because see, that realization helps you to stay relying on him because you realize doing it in your own effort got you nowhere. You can come to church and smile and look good, but be broken. But you can surrender to God's grace and find a peace. That's what he was speaking at the beginning of this service, that his presence was here to provide peace. Some of you are striving and striving and trying and trying and still ending every night in frustration because you're relying on human effort instead of relying on Jesus, instead of receiving his grace. So let's change that today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. First question I'm going to ask is this. No one's looking but me. If there's anybody here who realizes that you need to surrender your life to Jesus and make him the Lord of your life. Can you just slip your hand in the air? I'm not going to have you come or do any backflips or anything like that. I just want you to acknowledge to heaven that reality. I see you. I see you. I see you. Amen. You can put your hands down. The second question I want to ask is, this doesn't even require a hand raise. But I want to ask this question for you to answer within yourself. Have you been relying on Jesus? Have you submitted, surrendered, accepted his grace as your source, as your why, as the reason for your effort? Or are you, have you, been relying on your effort alone? So this moment, based on that answer, is a moment to clear the air between you and God. You can admit to him what's been going on, and he's standing by to answer, to hear, and to help. He wants you to leave out of here with peace because he already paid the bill. He already paid the bill. He already paid your bill. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we honor you. We worship you in spirit and in truth. You've been so good to us, better than we've been or are even able to be to ourselves in this moment. One, forgive us of our sins. We surrender our all to you because we now realize that we don't have it in us to save ourselves, nor do we have it in us to keep ourselves. So we surrender wholly to you. We open up our hearts to receive your grace. Father, forgive us for not being in a place of reverence that we need to be when it comes to just how incredible your gift of grace is to our lives. Thank you for paying our bill. Thank you for substituting yourself on that cross, 
dying in our place that we rightfully earned and presenting us the gift of eternal life. Father, touch our hearts in a, in a new way. Recalibrate us, refocus us, regather us to your feet. We want our lives to be transformed to the place to where what we ought to do becomes what we want to do. Help us to not move out of human effort alone, but let that human effort be born out of a postured heart that's full of your grace. And Father, let the miracle of a transformed life be our portion from this day forward. So Father, again, our hands are lifted as an act of surrender. We give up. We surrender. Have your way in our life. Transform us into the image and the likeness of your son, Jesus. We want to be more like you. We want it. We want you. So in this moment, we say have your way. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.